Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan of CNET. Esports organization CounterLogic Gaming, or CLG, is no more. After more than a decade in esports, the organization has been acquired by NRG. While this is good news for NRG fans, this past week has seen many CLG employees being laid off and leaving the organization. Really, NRG is only keeping CLG's league infrastructure afloat. CLG was owned by Madison Square Garden Sports, or MSG, the same organization that owns the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers. According to NRG CEO Andy Miller, MSG is now a major shareholder in NRG. Rumors also began to emerge late last month that Team Solomid, or TSM, would be selling its coveted LCS bot as well due to financial struggles. To discuss the latest upheavals in an already difficult year for esports is DigiDay's Alex Lee. Alex, thank you so much for returning to the show. Always a pleasure, Ahmad. So, Alex... Uh, just it, I know we it's it's actually funny you know we 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 recorded uh, an episode last week right like literally I'd say like an hour before the news dropped right so we're kind of re-recording some of our some of our conversation here um, but I guess we we had heard I guess rumors were starting to come forward that you know energy was going to acquire CLG uh, but now that it's mm-hmm. here uh, do you have any kind of initial thoughts or reactions Yeah, absolutely. I mean. You know, just looking at the sort of reporting, um, you know, and what what has officially been communicated about this deal is it's very interesting. I mean, first of all, um, it's pretty obvious that CLG was in a pretty distressed position and so probably did not take the best possible deal that they could have gotten for the brand. Um, You know, some of the reporting has indicated that MSG is gaining equity into NRG as part of this deal, which makes me think that at least some of the deal was in stock. It was it was an equity deal, not necessarily all cash. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it it just feels like a sort of fire sale, uh, essentially, by CLG. And as for why Energy would do this, I mean, it, I think it does make a lot of sense for them if they got the right price. On, on one hand, it seems like the only asset from CLG that will really be carried forward is the CLG League of Legends Championship Series team. <clears throat> which is now competing under the name of NRG League. Uh, and obviously, the LCS is sort of the blue chip of esports franchises to own. Uh, or League of Legends in general is is kind of the blue chip esport right now. And so um, acquiring a LCS franchise spot for presumably a fire sale price is definitely a good thing for NRG. Um, and on top of that, you know, Esports organizations rely so much on their metrics, on the numbers that they report in terms of following and engagement in order to sell brand partnerships, which are by far the largest revenue source for esports organizations. And we've already seen that the CLG Twitter account, for example, has been renamed NRG League. And I mean, that's, I should know this off the top of my head, but let's see, the NRG League account has almost 400,000 followers on Twitter now. And so this is just hugely beneficial for the overall energy brand, if you think about it. They can now add at least 400,000 new followers to whatever pitch decks they use to sell their social reach to potential sponsors. Um, and so purely from a, a numbers perspective, if they were able to get a good good deal on these branded accounts, then it can at least on paper uh, create a tremendous um, increase to their reach. Now, you have to wonder how much overlap there was between the CLG Twitter account and the NRG Twitter account already. Um, I'm sure there were some esports fans who were already following both. And so it's not exactly like the company just bought 400,000 new followers, but what matters is how it looks in the pitch deck. And 
I think this is a good deal as far as Energy's pitch deck is concerned. Mm -hmm. And also, I think we should also give a hat tip to uh, Travis Gafford, who kind of broke the, the news last week. Yes, definitely. Yeah, Travis's video was like a lightning bolt <laughs> when he broke the news mm -hmm. about CLG. Because this is one of the most storied brands in in esports and in specifically League of Legends esports, regardless of the relatively recent struggles that it was facing. I mean, CLG is an actual League of Legends world champion. Uh, so it's a little wild to see the brand, you know, go out in a whimper like this. Do we have any idea how much energy could have acquired um, this spot, uh, LCLG spot for? Let's see. I mean, so LCS franchise spots, let's see how much those sold for uh, historically. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think CLG paid $10 million for its franchise spot. Um, and y you have to imagine that it sold it for less than that. Wow. Um, I, I know in 2019, I believe Evil Geniuses purchased its spot for $33 million. Right, so it's right. not it's not like franchise spots have necessarily depreciated. But, I mean, this was, a, like I said, this was a fire sale. This was something that was done because CLG had basically no other choice as far as I can tell. So this is an unsatisfying answer, Ahmad. I, I don't necessarily know. I, I believe it It was at the very least for less than $10 million in cash, and perhaps energy equity provided some more value as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we still haven't been able to fully confirm that number yet, right? No, that is speculation. Yeah. I want to be explicitly clear. I haven't spoken to anyone from energy or CLG about this transaction yet. Yeah, and also, I mean, it's it's it's... It's interesting that you know CLG has been around for so long and it has a dedicated fan base, uh, but because its history as an organization, at least in terms of winning, has been so up and down um, as of I mean for a while and across uh, beyond just its its uh, league stuff, uh, I mean was was that maybe the core reason why MSG couldn't like really make it a profitable endeavor or is this just a systemic issue within the esports organization uh, within esports in general as we're seeing many other let's say tier two organizations start to fold uh maybe teams like e united come to mind i think it's a combination of both um so the struggle in esports is always to create a brand that stands out in some way mm -hmm. uh you need to have a, a separate value proposition and so that can come in all kinds of different forms um you know for for FaZe Clan, for example, I think that, that comes in the form of their sort of uh, streetwise influencer strategy. Um, for an organization like NYXL, for example, they decided to pin their brand around being New York's local esports team. Or we see other companies like Misfits sell their um, their competitive uh, teams and focus on you know building businesses inside Roblox and Minecraft. These are all different signifiers that esports organizations can use to develop an identity. And the issue is that CLG, oh, and, and I should say, and winning can be one of those signifiers, absolutely. Uh, for for brands like Fnatic or TSM that have this long-standing history of success, I think being one of the best teams in their region and in the world is, or, or T1 is another example of this, that, that's enough of a brand to set an organization apart. The, so, so CLG not winning took away that potential avenue for it to differentiate itself. And the issue is, I'm just not sure what else it had. You know, it's it's owned by MSG and based in New York, but it did not really have the New York City branding on lock. Mm -hmm. um, it had, especially towards the end, really strong, a really, really strong Super Smash Bros. roster, but it never really felt like CLG wanted to brand itself as, 
you know, a fighting game or, or one-on-one esports organization the way that other organizations like Panda Global have in the past. And so it was just another one of the sort of ubiquitous esports organizations to have cropped up over the last 10 years. Um, and, and for a while, it was winning. But when it stopped winning, it, it ceased to differentiate itself in any way. Uh, and I think that was kind of the, the beginning of the slow death. Because, you know, who, who are the CLG fans these days, right? Are they people who, who saw CLG win the World Championship in 2015 and eight years later are still desperately waiting for that for a return to that glory? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I live in New York and I don't feel like I have a connection to CLG. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, just to, I guess, turn it around on you. Like, how, how does CLG gain new fans if it's not winning? I can't really think of a way. Yeah, I, I think this has always been kind of like this perennial problem with esports, right? How how you can get build loyalty, uh, and uh, traditional sports builds it through geolocation, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, like Philadelphia Eagles fans or Chicago Cubs fans are largely fans just because like that's the area that they live in and that's their team. Uh, even though like they themselves, the like, people who live there themselves, have no like real influence uh, on the team itself and like how it goes about winning that's all kind of like done at the mm-hmm. private level on the on the organization level but because there's a chicago or a philadelphia attached to it that's how it works and i think the overwatch league was trying to do the same thing with its geolocation strategy and i guess that's worked to an extent yeah i think this has always just been one of those things where it, it seems that fandom in esports can be a little fickle it can always kind of jump to the team that has the most trophies under its belt and i think a lot of Brands have yep. switched to bringing on more online influencers as a way to um, build loyalty because like, streamers can uh, can build audiences in more interpersonal ways, right? And then they can be like, hey, you know, you might see me on Twitch, but I also, uh, in the corner, I also have like an energy or, sales, yes. or you know a logo associated with the esports brand uh, but even that, i mean even as 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 is the case with like phase i mean their stock price is completely plummeted so i mean to what extent can you really even say that pe- people who stream on twitch to an organization is enough to really keep a brand valuable yeah i, I think you're exactly right and and this shift in brand dollar is going towards individual influencers is something that is like an existential risk for the concept of of an esports organization and an esports industry um, because it just makes sense for everyone. It makes more sense for the brands. They they actually have to spend less money on those partnerships, which are then much more targeted towards the individual uh, streamers' specific audience and, and their audience demographics. Um, and frankly, easier to easier to kind of stay on top of from from a brand safety perspective. I mean, Phase Clan has been embroiled in many many controversies over the last year. Um, on the other hand. You know, you can partner with a streamer like Ludwig, for example, and be reasonably sure that he's not going to personally get sucked into some sort of controversy. Although, you know, everyone has their issues. Um, Mm. And so I think we started to see esports organizations pivot their in their approach to the streamers and the creators on their roster in an attempt to kind of put this lightning into back into the bottle, so to say. Um, We're seeing organizations like 100 Thieves and Team Liquid, and OTK, I think as a particularly notable example, offer equity to the creators on their roster, um, mm. which it gets them to buy into the company's broader strategy a little more and makes it less likely that they will, you know, take the resources given to them by the organization to build up 
their own fandom and then jump ship, which has happened numerous times in the past. And so I, I think, you know, if, if we're looking at a sort of path forward for these smaller or mid-sized esports organizations, the ones like CLG that are known quantities, but not necessarily in that top tier and winning all the time, um, I think maybe creator ownership is at least one way to rejuvenate their their hopes. But obviously, even with creator owners in charge, esports organizations still struggle from the fundamental issue that they are reliant on brand partnerships to make most of their revenue, which is just a fickle, fickle revenue source. Yeah, yeah, especially during a recession where a lot of brands are pulling back advertising spend. And if they see, I mean, and of course, most brands see uh, partnering with a major organization as just another part of its marketing budget. Yeah, exactly. The, it, you also mentioned uh, Ludwig earlier, and Ludwig and uh, Moist Critical are two people who have formed together and joined uh, and created Moist Esports. Uh, so this is like an influencer-funded esports brand. And interestingly, I think the last time I saw one of uh, Moist's videos, he was saying that the you know esports he was acknowledging that esports has historically never been a profitable venture, uh, and that the the two of them are working on this more out of. I, I, almost as if uh, they're benefactors and wanting to just support competitive gaming, uh, and I mean that, that's definitely a way to go about doing this. And I, you know, maybe they can just like keep it as like uh, keep the organization afloat as just like this loss leader in a sense. Uh, but I mean, I mean, do you think the future of esports at the moment, or at least for you know, new teams, is just to have a bunch of influencers that can um, bring their existing fan bases over to come and watch? their one specific player play Smash Bros or their one specific team go play Rocket League? I think in the near future, yes. I think that is a more effective model than many esports organizations have have used so far. I mean, the way I think about it is individual influencers and their following are like the they're like the distribution side of what esports orgs are doing. Like esports <laughs> organizations can make unique programming and, you know, create original content and, and win and all that, but they they need some sort of conduit to, to get the word out about what they're doing to regular gamers. And right now, for better or worse, individual streamers and their, their fans are by far the most effective conduit to do that. And so if you have individual, if you have individual streamers at the top, like, like Moist Critical or like Ludwig, um, it just, it just makes getting the word out about what you're doing so much easier. That said, I mean, like I said earlier, these organizations still suffer from the same fundamental business challenges that any esports organization faces. Like, I think they... Having a creator, a prominent creator on top reduces your marketing spend because, as I said, getting the word out is so much easier. And you come with this preloaded, fanatical fandom. But... Fundamentally, these organizations are, are trying to leverage that fandom to sign brand partnerships. I mean, it's still the same sort of arguably flawed business model that the, the previous generation of esports organizations were relying on. And so this is something that I, I think I mentioned this, you know, when we, when we first attempted to talk about this story before NRG threw a wrench in our plans. Um, but new revenue streams need to be determined for esports organizations to succeed in the long run. And I think the biggest and most promising one of those is direct revenue share opportunities with the actual league operators, which you know mm. are, are largely game developers. There are already examples of this. Uh, and 
and by the way this also incentivizes orgs to actually care about winning still um you know the victorious orgs at for example the league of legends world championship and and other big esports events will gain opportunities to sell branded skins um based on their logos or jerseys or whatnot inside the game and gain a revenue share from all the proceeds of those skin sales and i know as a fact that organizations have made millions of dollars doing this and it is certainly on top of mind for executives at esports organizations to figure out a way to get the leagues and developers to create more opportunities for this because at the end of the day the, the players and the orgs that are fielding those players are creating the fundamental product for esports organizations they are the product it doesn't exist without them competing and so for those leagues to then make most of their money as marketing spent as like a marketing activation for game developers who are then, who then reap the rewards by selling you know games and in-game purchases is literally just unfair to the teams and their owners and the problem is this has been the status quo for many years and so i i think i don't know if this is going to happen in the next year or two years or five years but i think it is inevitable that the owners and operators of esports organizations will eventually band band together quote-unquote unionize in some sense and refuse to negotiate with the leagues that they play on until they offer more robust revenue share opportunities sorry i feel like i was ranting about that but i really feel strongly about this no interesting i i i hadn't considered that i also <laughs> i also uh am skeptical as, as to how successful they'll be but uh, i you know i think what you're saying makes sense the the other thing i wanted to discuss with you is the rumors regarding team solomid uh so tsm mm. the rumor is that it would be selling its own lcs spot due to financial struggles which you know comes as odd to me because tsm has always been seen as a stalwart in 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 esports at least financially always managing to pull a profit and it's also because uh, tsm has uh, expanded its portfolio beyond just games and streaming but to also you know creating a, a tech product so i mean uh, the, does this rumor strike you as i don't know anything salient I'm glad you asked about this. Um, I have to say, I I may be surprised by the timing and that it's happening so soon, but I'm not surprised to hear that TSM is looking to get out of the esports and competitive gaming side of its business. I'm not hmm. surprised. And I actually think that it's a wise move in the long run for some of the reasons that I mentioned. I mean, as I just pointed out, the the real the way that companies have figured out they can make money from competitive gaming and from fielding rosters of pro gamers is to essentially use them as inventory for brand partnerships. And this is, especially as we go into a recession, a very fickle form of revenue. Um, on the other hand, TSM has developed other revenue streams that have much lower overhead and thus higher margins um, and have nothing to do necessarily with the competitive, or at least with fielding competitive gamers. Um, I know TSM does it has a whole talent management wing uh, which manages both players and cr content creators. Uh, I believe that's a, a growing and very effective part of its business. Um, mm. Then, of course, TSM is also developing Blitz app, which is a, a popular uh, statistics tracking app for esports. And both of these things, I think, have much longer legs and, and more, <laughs> more promising long-term revenue uh, opportunities than fielding uh, competitive teams. And so while TSM built up its fandom using Victory, uh, it's now a bit of a juggernaut. It has so many fans that it can it can actually maybe take those fans and try to leverage them towards some other revenue stream. Um, so 
it makes sense to me that they would gradually try to get out of competitive gaming in the long run. Um, now, for this to happen so soon is a little shocking, but it's possible that, you know, the reports of that caught wind of a discussion that is in its very earliest stages right now. I, I know mm. that TSM has certainly not confirmed anything or announced anything on the back of that news. So we're all kind of just waiting on the edges of our seats. Hmm. Well, Alex, I'll be, I'll be keeping in touch with you as more developments unfold. But with that, thank you so much for coming back onto the show. Thanks, Ahmad. Always happy to be here. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. To follow Alex and keep up to date on esports business, you can find him at Alex Lee was taken on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at CNET, you can find me at Ahmad on Twitter. And with that, we'll catch you guys next time.